welcome to the Imagine podcast on the first episode of the career profile series. I'm your host, Sheena Osman, and today I'm joined by the Senior HR Advisor of the Human Resources Services Branch at ESDC, and her name is Franca Camastella. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, well, great. Um, okay, well, I guess we'll jump right into it. So can you first tell us a little bit about your role and um, how you got involved with the diversity and inclusion team at uh, ESDC? Sure. Um, so I basically my, my role on the team um, is I take care of the statistics and the data for the organization, which okay. involves a lot of um, preparing um, ad hoc reports, when the requests have requests come in from managers, and I'm also responsible for quarterly reporting um, and uh, analysis pieces, um, which are requirements as, as part of the federal government department that we do on our employment equity uh, groups. Okay, perfect. And um, can you tell me how you got involved with the, um, the diversity inclusion team specifically? Sure. Um, actually, I was going to give you, give you a bit more context of my um, of my role as well, because that's not my only uh, role. If I can correct into a little bit more, I'm sorry, Sheila. I need to say, you'll note that I need to take some um, because I have uh, limited lung capacity. I okay. take a bit of a break sometimes just to stop talking to catch my But um, so I, I just want to finish off part of my yes. role. The information, the quarterly reporting is actually shared with executives and various committees to provide quantitative uh, tracking in comparison to uh, workforce availability. And uh, yeah, it just kind of keeps us on track as to where we are when we're comparing what the external labor market availability is. And, and I don't want to get too technical about that, but basically what the availability is externally compared to what our internal workforce um, looks like. And then the other parts of my work also, I support the Employee Pride Network and the Employee with Disability Network and the work that they do. Um, and also support the Building Bridges Committee, which is a committee that consists of chairs and co-chairs of the Employee uh, Diversity Networks. And um, the Building Bridges Committee has been specifically set up to just increase the discussion, discussion and collaboration between the committees with respect to training, uh, sharing of information, material, attendance, and any kind of intersectionality of issues, explores, because um, they definitely find one one issue uh, just just doesn't cover one group. It often covers um, you know all either one or two of the groups are having similar issues. So the way I got involved in this group actually back in the day, back in the day, because <laughs> it's been a while since I've been with this organization. As of October first of this year, uh, okay, I marked. 33 years of service with the federal government. Oh, well, congratulations. That's Thank amazing. You. Thank you. And the um, majority, all of it actually has been with ESDC. When I first started, uh, I started in the employment equity area and was responsible for the regional employment equity program. And, uh, and actually, I just tripped into it because I took business administration in school um, and thought I would do. Um, get my certification in accounting, do finance. I tripped into HR and into this specific work and uh, it just I just kind of went from there. 
Right. So I, I stayed in, in HR, did a bit of a stint in the program's end, in the homelessness director. Okay. And uh, then an opportunity, I didn't want to, when I first started off as a, as a disabled um, employee, I mm-hmm. didn't want to, I didn't want to um, focus too much on working with employees with disabilities because I didn't want to pigeonhole my career too much. Right. Um, but now it's, it's like a complete 180. I figure with 33 years of service, I have much experience and uh, personal experiences as well to share with a wider audience. Right. Um, and, um, you know, offer some uh, personal experiences as far as how we could best support our employees with disabilities in a department. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and speaking about the, because um, you are part of the diversity and inclusion team, can you let me know how you got involved with that or how many members are part of that team? Yeah, we have a pretty good, uh, pretty good diverse team and pretty good, um, we have uh, me included, there's three advisors and then we've got two program officers who support us and do some research and some of the more admin and technical stuff. And then we have one a uh, phenomenal admin assistant who supports not only the manager but the rest of the team and the day-to-day operations. Mm-hmm. Um, so my colleague Michelle supports the Indigenous Aboriginal, no, sorry, Indigenous Employee Circle and her Visible Minority uh, Network and leads our mm-hmm. communications uh, portfolio. And then mm-hmm. we have uh, Jocelyn who currently supports the uh, Diversity and Inclusion Action Plan. And okay. it's reporting requirements, and he also leads um, some ad hoc uh, projects as well. Currently, he's leading the, um, we're involved with the Ontario Professional, what is it called now? Ontario Professional um, Engineers. Um, it's a forum that he's leading. Um, it's an external organization that's holding this forum, but they invited the department to participate on the virtual career fair. Okay. And uh, Jocelyn is actually um, supporting our virtual kiosk fair, um, arranging for one of our senior leaders uh, to be a guest speaker there as well. So mm-hmm. we're pretty excited about that. Okay, excellent. And how long has the uh, how long has the diversity and inclusion team been um, running for? When did it start? Uh, nationally, uh, it's been for, well, it's been a, it's been a long time. Given that the department is responsible for the Employment Equity Act and its reporting requirements, mm-hmm. I could I could confidently say that it's probably been in place since the 1980s. Okay, yeah. I think one of the first networks back in the 70s. Um, the Women's Network was one of the first networks to get it off the ground. Uh, supporting women in non-traditional um, jobs, but also supporting them in getting to the higher levels uh, executive cadre of the organization. Excellent. And once the Employment Equity was once the Employment Equity Act was implemented, it passed the legislation. Then the other groups were recognized, and other. Um, other networks and committees were set up as well. Excellent. And is there some, is there specific projects that the diversity and inclusion team are working on now? Yeah, we've got a plethora of things. <laughs> 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 when, when you were feeding me these uh, 
the questions always get over the hours once I could because there is oh. a significant <laughs> amount, but then there's some of the higher, uh, higher arching ones. Um, mm-hmm. So with the disability uh, network, um, we're, we're supporting the uh, accessibility roadmap. Uh, we have a departmental committee that HRSP sits on, um, which consists of director general uh, reps. And basically, the, uh, the director general is looking at various components of the new Accessibility Act and how we are doing as a department and how we're measuring up. We just recently did a, um, a presentation of um, the employment pillar of the uh, strategy. And we're looking at some of the uh, employment initiatives for employees with disabilities. And we have um, the Disability Network as well is uh, is looking at uh, new accessibility formats uh, with the network. Um, so, you know, given the COVID environment as well, um, a lot of people have been isolated in that community. So they've had one of the, one of the first initiatives was doing a, a Zoom call, which went very well, and uh, high participation in that. Okay. Um, another project we're working on, very proud of, is the Trans Guide for Managers and Employees. Um, it's actually received ADM approval and it's currently being reviewed to ensure it reflects a grade nine reading level from a grade 11. Okay. Uh, we were working on as well to support the LGBTQ plus community, um, the Purge Fund, which is a nonprofit corporation. I'm not sure if you're aware of it was established in our, in our country um, in order to manage a, uh, a large fund provided as part of the settlement or class action suit between the government of Canada and members of the LGBTQ plus community. Okay. So we just, um, we've been working with, on that project just to provide all the documentation and um, information um, mm-hmm. that was required as part of that requirement. Okay. Um, as part of our, uh, our Indigenous Employees Circle, uh, we continue to support the establishing uh, the Cultural Center and the NCR. We're very excited about that. Excellent. Uh, the Vismint um, community, one of the higher uh, projects that we're working on with them is a recruitment and technical working group. Um, so look look for, uh, in, I think we'll have one of our first meetings in November, but there's going to be a lot of activity around that. Okay. And as I was mentioning, the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers, that's that's the backboard on this call. Um, we're supporting, uh, we're participating in that and we're coordinating some activities in that. And then one of the last things I want to highlight that we're doing is an inclusion survey. Survey, right? Um, I know that we've had a lot of employee, public service employee surveys. However, this is really um, to identify, employee, this is going to take a deeper dive than the general employee uh, public service survey. This right. survey is really going to look at an employee perspective as, as far as systemic dis- discriminatory practices that prevent okay. their uh, employees' full inclusion. So it's, it's really going to look at organizational metrics, um, and we're going to be developing um, a plan to assess the degree to which initiatives are actually making a difference. I see. And some of the other things, I mean, we have commemorative, commemorative uh, events, I'm not sure. I'm sure, I'm sure everyone probably um, intersectionally always have something um, around commemorative events um, mm-hmm. that support uh, respectful and healthy, empowering environments. So, 
from each of the communities. Um, it helps, you know, foster a more modern, high-performing performing workforce. So we do celebrate Black History Month, International Women's Week, Inter International Day for Elimination and Discrimination Day. Day, mm -hmm. I think. All those, um, those are like our commemorative uh, calendar events that uh, we support. I see. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> okay, and why is it um, so important to have um, diversity and inclusion or employment equity positions within ESDC, especially now with the Black Lives Matter movement and you know visible minority issues kind of being brought up in the forefront? Why is it so important? To have these kinds of positions yeah well 2020 really has been a year that's revealed a lot about racism and exclusion and mm -hmm. how the minds of many canadians where they're at you know and i really i think we're just at the tip of the iceberg um i mean we've seen the brutality um of police with you know with black and brown people Racism and discrimination and exclusion are also on the mind of many of our own internal employees as a result of the work going on. So mm -hmm. it's 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 this shift really that's representing a much deeper and, and bold focus, I think, on the organizational culture as well. So it might require some really courageous, unfiltered conversations. And, and we're having those and we're starting to find for those to yeah. unearth some of these unsound systemic barriers. Um, we have, um, I mean, as you know, you could imagine systemic barriers. I mean, people say, you know, we're, we're not racist. I think there's still, as evidence, I mean, systemic barriers and unconscious barriers uh, still exist um, everywhere. Uh, and it, it, it's hard to, it's hard to really get at it because very often it's embedded in the day-to-day -day norms and practices of our organization, right? So mm. that hopefully this inclusion survey that I mentioned earlier We'll bring right. a lot of that out. We're hoping to have some very frank, um, very frank, very, um, yeah, just very frank conversations with leadership uh, mm -hmm. of, of the uh, of the organization, and not just you know managers, but we're talking ADMs and, and at, the, at those tables as well, because that's this is where the original the initial um, presentation is going to make. So right. I mean. We need, and we need something like this. All these, we, we talk about being a high-performing organization. If we want mm -hmm. our workers to be excited about the, you know, and to get actively involved at where, where, where that, that work matters, you need a strong diversity and inclusion program. Um, that, you know, it instills the, the passion and it's contagious and it's shared throughout the department. And it's, and it, it, it's just a part of how we do business. Part of that, you'll see, if you, if you start it with the employees, um, mm -hmm. it increases the organization's um, confidence, right? Right. Um, it, it, the importance of having a culture that embraces diversity and inclusion has a huge role in the overarching confidence of, it, of the department. And it, it allows for a larger platform for innovation, creativity, um, and a variety of perspectives that, you know, that support our employees feeling that they actually have a safe place to be themselves and produce their best. When they feel that supported, mm -hmm. individuals will want to do their best. They, they can't do enough for you, right? And that, right. again, um, it's goes to the organization overall well-being, right? Exactly. The other factor is 
um, the country, our birth rate isn't going up, right? Mm-hmm. Our, if we're going to go as a country, as a nation, a lot of it is going to go through um, immigration. And we have to increase our population through immigration. Right. So part of that is going to be attracting that talent, right? Mm-hmm. Up, it, so attracting that talent, um, diversity and inclusion uh, will uh, build people up from the inside out. And it just, it, again, it attracts um, prospective employers because they see how how individuals are being treated by our department. So they want to join that. They want that. And right. as a result of that, you get a higher caliber of, of, of professionals who want, who want to join us, right? right. Um, from different ethnicities, genders, and um, sexual orientations, whatever, because they know that all the employees mm-hmm. are in this department, so I want to be part of that. Definitely. And um, for those who are, who are listening right now to the podcast and they're interested in pursuing a career, or maybe just getting involved with the diversity and inclusion team within the federal government itself. What, what advice would you give to to those uh, those people who are looking to pursue a career down this path? I say, you know, get involved in it, not just internally but external groups. Increase mm-hmm. your knowledge and your and your capacity around um, around around the diversity groups and about diversity and inclusion. Um, internally, we have a lot of committees that employees can be a part of, um, and there's always those committees always have action plans that they're always looking for people to volunteer to support that activity. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I think if you start doing that um, and, and building up your experiences and your skill sets around that, um, you know, diversity in the team will definitely come knocking at your door. Um, right. if, if we're not advertising very often there's um, there's assignments and um, uh, projects that need to be done we've done numerous micro missions for people as well uh, like short-term projects just to build um, to get some uh, activities done that that's part of the action plan the other thing is um, education wise um, because it's um, the, the advisors are PEs um, okay. at the education level would have to be at university level. Um, but other than that, like I really just encourage people to get involved externally mm-hmm. and internally to, to really build up your skill sets and uh, your experiences uh, with diversity and inclusion. And that's some definitely great, uh, some great advice. Uh, well, those are really all of my questions. Is there anything else that um, you would like to add? No, I just, you know, I want to, I want to thank you for being the first of this career podcast. Um, it's quite the honor. Um, if, there's anything, if there's anything that people um, uh, listen to the podcast, uh, if they have questions, they can email me. I'm. Uh, and now that my husband works for the department, actually, I'm the other Thomasella. There's only two of us in the department. Um, mm-hmm. You can definitely email me um, any questions that you may have um, or um, committees that you wish to be part of. So, and, and thank you again. And thank you again, Jim, just for inviting me for uh, allowing me to uh, share my experiences. Well, that's excellent. Well, thank you so much, Franca, for uh, joining us today on the podcast. And this is uh, today's episode of Career Profile Series. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Franca. Thank you. Okay, have a good day. Take care.